0: You know, the FUP for me is tongue-in-cheek. It's like failure to understand the potential of what you're obsessed with. <laughs> okay, so,
1: so let's make sure we get this acronym right. I think I might have been mispronouncing it. You call it the Mega FUP. I kind of like the Mega Fup. You can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> but you, <laughs> it's you just <a> do... <laughs> screw up. <laughs> yes, that's it's perfect. It's an Fup. There you go. <laughs> there it's, you go. The perfect. It's All right. An f-up. <laughs> Welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We're coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in technology, business, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere, and every week on this show, we talk about some of the most interesting stories and trends in the news. My guest this week is Mark Anderson, founding chair and CEO of Strategic News Service and the Future in Review Conferences, and the CEO of machine learning company Pattern. An author, scientist, and entrepreneur, he's known for using pattern discovery techniques to accurately predict the future. Mark Anderson, it's great to see you, and thank you for being here with us.
0: Thank you. It's, it's fun to be here, and I always enjoy talking to GeekWire.
1: Strategic News Service has been around for many years, and one of your flagship activities every year is your predictions for the upcoming year. And we're going to be talking about some of the highlights from your 2023 predictions for strategic news service. But how did this come about? Tell me about the predictions, the role they play, and what you're doing here.
0: So when I was a kid, I was a science kid. I knew I was going to be a scientist. And here is the deal, at least until recently, I'll say, with the scientific method, which is you think of a hunch. Step one. It's a really bad way, by the way. It's a really, really bad way to solve problems. But that's what we're all taught. Well, how do you do that? And they don't teach you that part. Isn't that funny? The most important thing, you know, Einstein included is, if you have a bad question, you're going to have a pretty bad result. You have to have a pretty good question. Like, what's it like to fly next to light? If you're going to get a good answer. And so this idea of coming up with the right inference, how do you do that? And and it turned out, that the way you do that is through pattern recognition. So you're looking around at the world, whatever you're doing, and you say, I think it might be this. That's your hypothesis. And I learned long ago that that was the key thing. You know, that was really the skill and the art and the science that you needed to perfect. And that leads you to seeing things in a different way. And that leads you to predictions by learning the first part, you come into the second part automatically. The better you are at at pattern recognition of the world around you, the more likely you'll see patterns in that that others didn't see. And then having done that, you have a better understanding of the present, therefore of what's gonna happen next.
1: The other element of the predictions is that you have an accuracy rating that's actually very high. It's in the high 90%. How do you come up with the accuracy rating for your past predictions?
0: So first of all, one can't take this too seriously. (laughs) But having said that, I probably take it more seriously than anybody I've ever met. (laughs) And you know, for many people making predictions is kind of a joke or they have this saying, which I of course don't believe, you can't tell the future, you can't predict the future. You absolutely can, at least within statistical odds. The way I do this, and this sounds self-serving, maybe it is, but I hope not. You have to ask yourself, who's the judge? If you turn this over to Deloitte or if you turn this over to somebody, will they know as much as you know about that subject? And if not, how do they grade it? So it was a problem. It was a conundrum. And I decided the best way to do this, we have very smart, as you do, we have very smart people in the tribe, you know, in our, so I thought I'm going to publish this with the rankings and the, the rationale back to the membership and let them grade it. And if they think I'm doing something unfair, they'll tell us. So that's how we do the grading.
1: Let's jump in. You had 10 predictions as you normally do for the upcoming year, but there were three that really resonated with me based on the topics I'm interested in. And for people who are interested in the full 10 predictions, they can of course become subscribers to strategic news service. And we'll share the link in the show notes on this podcast. And if you are in the Seattle area in the Pacific Northwest, Mark is speaking in Bellingham, Washington on Thursday, February 9th at 6 PM. And we'll share a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay. AI, you assert that major new discoveries in AI will remain elusive. That seems to run counter to the trend right now where AI is all the buzz, especially with Microsoft and OpenAI and GPT-3. What's your take on AI for 2023?
0: So I think I need to disclose something here first. I happen to be the founding chair and CEO of Pattern Computer. And pretty interested in AI. And the first thing, I guess, is the wording, right? So AI is not a very good term to use anymore. Uh, It's not specific enough for me, at least. And I pointed this out a little bit. But I I believe that, you know, if we use a little more specific language, so let's say 99% of people and companies who are talking about AI today, I have checked this out, they immediately jump to neural networks. They think that's it. That's not it.
1: Systems that mimic the structure of the brain to solve large-scale problems. Okay, correct me on this. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, they don't. I mean, let me say it clearly. They have that name, but they don't. Let's just call them neural networks. That's the name that they've been assigned. But uh, neural networks have almost no comparison to a human brain.
1: You write that the big dark secret of neural networks will continue to constrain growth in this sector. And that big dark secret is, is what?
0: The black box. It's actually three things, the black box, the wall, and a diminishing return on on runs or investment. But the black box is the big one. So it's called a lack of explainability. And explainability, we defined it in a paper online, you can go find it, with 35 co-authors from the National Laboratories. What does it mean? There's a mathematical de- definition that IBM cannot pass, nobody can pass. Sorry to say it, but pattern is now passed it. But... But it's it's a tough thing to pass. And so when you run a neural network, here's your Google, okay, here's what happens. You need a high data set, a lot of data. So let's say you run um, you know, a million pictures of cats or or teenagers wearing red shoes or something, and then you're trying to train against that. And and there's an assumption. I want to sell more red shoes to teenagers. That's your hypothesis. That's your assumption. Okay, well, too bad you had to use that because you're not gonna learn anything. Hmm. Now you want to do it. You succeed. You move from a 92 to 94 percent success rate in selling red tennis shoes to teenagers, and that's worth a lot of money. So I get it why Google wants to do that. It's money maker. If you're a scientist or a business person trying to solve problems, it's useless. Underline useless. So you don't learn anything, and that's the black box. You learn how to make a slight incremental improvement in the hit rate, the prediction rate. That's what neural networks are excellent at. And you get nothing, underline nothing, about the how and why that system did that. Now, there are some cheats that people can use to kind of go around the edges, hinting and so forth. But basically, what I just told you is true. So guess what? This is not a great, great system, despite what you said being true, that there are a lot of people, hallelujah, you know. There are thousands of companies that have renamed into AI somehow, and they use neural networks. This tool is a blunt force tool. You know, you're not going to base your your future business, I hope, on the fact of having an incremental improvement in a prediction rate.
1: And that black box means that people see what goes in, they see what comes out, but they don't understand how it happened. And that limits the applicability of it, or it limits the utility of it?
0: Yes, 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 all that. And I wouldn't even say limits, I would say shuts off. Hmm. You know, I mean, literally, you cannot learn from it. So... How much utility is there in a thing which gives you a 2% or 4% improvement in predictive rates, but which prevents you from learning? It's a built-in fail.
1: An everyday observer like me goes on to something like ChatGPT, and I'm often astonished at the answers I get. How do you explain that? Is that my overreaction or is that something else?
0: So I want to be, again, very specific here. A, I'm glad that it's out there because it's totally changed the investment climate for what I would call advanced AI companies that work beyond a simple neural network. They are still based on neural networks, but it's a more complex and iterative process that they use. It's called generative, pre-trained transformers, GPT. And it does an interesting thing, which Gary Marcus, perhaps one of the world experts on this question calls, and I'm quoting him, bullshit. <laughs> Smart guy.
1: The scientific term.
0: <laughs> Smart, yeah, it's a tech term. Bullshit. <laughs> so um, imagine that with the prior versions of GPT or of neural networks, here's what we had before in, in language. We'll, we'll skip the images for a minute, because people are really in, in love with the language part of this. They say, uh, you know, Todd Bishop. They say the name, and then the, the system goes out and finds two words on each side in a sentence of Todd Bishop and they find out he's, you know, so tall or whatever. And then you keep doing that two words. And then one day a genius comes along and says, how about four? <laughs> Let's do four words. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So you go forwards. Well now make it a thousand words or make it a five paragraphs or 10 pages. It's still exactly the same, roughly the same thing, but you're doing it a larger context. So this is something where an engine goes out and finds larger and larger context for an idea or a term and applies it to natural language processing. That's basically the game and it's content creation. You're creating text in this case. Now it makes people happy or excited because we're human and we find that it sounds more and more like us. But it never can tell <laughs> between true or false. Which is why Gary says it's bullshit. Right. Now if you're going to invest 10 billion like Microsoft actually 12 and you know ahead of time what i just said you've got to have a pretty interesting battle plan here why you put the 12 billion into something which you know will fail will contain failures really interesting question and i'm sure they have an answer somewhere inside microsoft but i don't think it's a tech answer
1: i was just going to say i wonder if that answer is in the marketing team and not in the yeah, engineering me team too.
0: right <laughs> i don't i'm not going to speak for anybody else but there goes 12 billion bucks. So uh, that's GPT. And as impressive as it is in natural language processing, it cannot tell the difference between true and false.
1: Mark, you mentioned Pattern Computer. How does what you do at Pattern Computer compare?
0: It's completely different. So, step one, we don't use neural networks. There's the difference. We spent three years in secret building out what Murray Cantor has called new mathematics. He's kind of an expert we let him take a close look at it all. So we worked very hard, went back to 1951 and picked up a trail in math nobody had picked up. Uh, We had some good advice about doing that out of the national labs. We went forward from there and we built a complete system. And then we built not just the mathematics but the entire computer system. Here's a pretty interesting question. If one accepts that pattern recognition and pattern discovery are how our brains work, and then if one accepts that most, you know, nature itself is made of patterns, right? all problem solving seems to be related to patterns somehow. Why didn't anyone build a computer system to do that? Wow, I, you know, I mean, in general, we just use general computer systems to do everything, but frankly, wouldn't you want to? And we took the time and money, our investors' money to do that, and we did it, and it worked. So one of our main differences is what I just said. We have a complete purpose-built system, top to bottom, full stack, including the OS and everything else, all the drivers for the ships, everything is made for one purpose, find patterns, no hypothesis, no guessing, no bias, nothing. So you take the data of these women died from breast cancer and these women didn't, and you run it without any presupposition about which genes matter, which we did on an open data set. And now we have two drugs against triple negative breast cancer in their fifth round of tests. Wow. And I mean, that's, that's the one that doesn't have any treatment yet. We didn't say we're the smartest guys in bio, we're the dumbest guys in bio, but we did have the best compute system for finding gene expression patterns that anybody could bring. We brought it to an open source data set at Berkeley Labs. Everybody had had it for 20 years, but they were finding one gene. We found like 50 genes. So it's not, there's no hunch, there's no hypothesis.
1: You write, the AI emperor is confirmed to be half-clothed. While an explosion in neural networks provides incremental improvements, the big discoveries remain elusive, and this ugly secret gets out of the bag. The gulf between what the data team promised, the management team continues to grow, leaving a sour taste in corporate boardrooms. It's time to move beyond neural networks, and this is the year we will. Obviously, you've got a vested interest in that outcome in this case. I do. I do. Yes. Obviously, you're, you're betting on that in multiple ways.
0: I truly believe it.
1: All right. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with your next prediction.
0: Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected, accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included.
1: Welcome back, it's Todd Bishop. I'm talking with Mark Anderson of Strategic News Service, and we are going over some of the highlights from his predictions for 2023. Mark, the next one that really struck me was autonomy hits the certification wall. I spent a lot of time with folks in the autonomous vehicle space. What do you see happening here in 2023?
0: So, completely in line with our prior conversation, So Elon's a friend of mine. He's got, he's got a a big problem here. FAA has a big problem here. How do you certify a robotic system of any kind where human life might be at stake? If you don't get beyond the black box, right? How, How do you say that this car won't drive into a big white truck and kill the driver, which happened at Tesla because it wasn't trained on a big white truck, right? Or an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, which also happened. So, You have to have explainability to know the how and the why of your trained system and what is it doing? Hmm. Otherwise, how do you certify? You know, how do you train? How do you certify? How do you build? How do you you make it better? And so um, you would know how to make it better if you knew what was doing right and wrong. But you can't if you can't see inside of it. So I checked this out. I was in uh, Ireland recently and I was led to the top, I think the top AI team. We had a great time together at uh, Limerick. And so we're sitting around this conference room, had lunch and so on. And two of these people were not only AI specialists, but they were spent their whole lives in autonomous car work. And I started the meeting by saying, hi, guys, nice to meet you. I got an idea and I'd like your feedback. My opinion is that it's impossible to have autonomy if you don't have explainability. What do you think? And they didn't even pause. It's like, yep, that's it. No hesitation. So... I'm convinced that this is a true statement. And the problem really here is quite clearly that people don't have explainability yet. If you don't have the hammer, how do you think you should have the hammer? But but that's the tool they need. I think part of our challenge is to get the word out that it's now available, but this is something which doesn't occur to people if they don't know it's possible.
1: You say that this could cause some of the autonomous vehicle and other autonomy vendors to back away from their deadlines.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Where does this leave the industry long-term? I realize these are 2023 predictions, but does the explainable AI problem get solved in 2023 or 2024 such that those deadlines can become relevant again?
0: I don't think it can be solved without explainability. Hmm. And what you're seeing right now is kind of the poor man's you know option where, what if we didn't have any bikes on the streets? <laughs> what if there are no children? What if there are no dogs? You know, What if there are no big white trucks? So people are searching for use cases that are simpler and simpler and simpler. They're trying to simplify the world around that vehicle so that all the vehicle has to know is stay on the yellow line or avoid the red line or, or hear the five things you, or 500, you know, but basically I don't think that's going to work because something's going to be outside of the training set. And when it is, we've already seen what happens. So that's why I say the deadlines are going to get blown even in a, simplified racetrack in New York or in Seattle or San Francisco,
1: nah, I don't
0: think it's going right. to, something's going to happen there. Call the insurance companies, you know, and ask them how they feel.
1: Coming up next, what I think might be my favorite acronym, at least so far of 2023, the the mega, uh, the mega FUP, the mega FUP. So find out what that is coming up next. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. welcome back. It's Todd Bishop from GeekWire. I'm talking with Mark Anderson of Strategic News Service. Mark, this is great. I really appreciate you shedding light on these things and appreciate your perspective. And it's fun to talk about your predictions. So the next one is meta is a mega fup. And this has to do with the metaverse and meta the company. First off, what is a mega fup?
0: Well, I had to invent this tongue in cheek <laughs> word. But I did it because it wasn't just Meta, you know, it wasn't just that company, Facebook, whatever I call it called. So we have seen an interesting thing, you and I, in tech, over the last few years, where a CEO gets obsessed with something. It happened with so-called Watson at IBM. It's happened with a number of people who are CEOs, and they just get wrapped around this axle. They won't let it go. And it becomes an obsession, and they can take the whole company down with them. And in the case of of Facebook or Meta, I think that this happened with Zuck, is that uh, he got completely obsessed with VR, virtual reality. I was involved in this a long time ago at the UW and then in a company, World Design. Anyone who's ever studied this stuff closely is fully briefed on the nausea effects, the effects of dizziness. How long can you put these things on before these things happen? doesn't matter whether you're a fighter pilot or a warrior. And Microsoft did the same thing with HoloLens with the army, and, and that's been a big problem, that got canceled. You know, everyone knows. And yet Zuckerberg's put billions and billions and billions of dollars in the hope that that's not true. It is true. Clearly, people understand this. You know, the FUP for me is tongue-in-cheek. It's like failure to understand the potential of what you're obsessed with <laughs> okay so,
1: so let's make sure we get this acronym right i think i might have been mispronouncing it you call it the mega fup i kind of like the mega fup it's, you can do whatever you want with it <laughs> but you just <laughs> screw up <laughs> yes that's it's perfect it's an f up there you go <laughs> there you sure go is. the perfect all right yeah. so what kind of future do you see for the metaverse then
0: well first of all i don't like that word
1: hmm.
0: it's very self-congratulatory and overblown hype driven let's just call it what it is it's vr it's been around for about 250 years jaron lanier was one of the early guys into it there have been three or four waves so far maybe three or four waves after that but it's vr it's a vr roller coaster and you know he got a little of the kool-aid and drank the whole thing so is there a role for vr absolutely is it what he said no it's not um his second life you know i mean We've already been there. Will people be wearing these VR goggles all day long? No, they won't. Will people, other than I would say young, you know, American and Korean teenagers who are like totally into gaming, they will wear? And so, is there a role? Yeah, sure. Isn't it amazing if you could be fully embedded in a one person shooter and kill everybody around you? Absolutely, if you're 14. So, um, there is a definite market for gaming. It's a big market. There's a definite market for improved. Immersion of whatever type, I get it, but that's it.
1: I feel like I have to be the humorless journalist here and make <laughs> it clear to folks that you're speaking in hyperbolic terms when you describe the industry as 250 years old. I hope I maybe don't yeah. have to say that. I think they know. Just to round this out and bring it full circle, Mark, do you think that Microsoft's obsession with AI and its investment in open AI is a mega fup?
0: Uh Probably too early to say, Okay, but let's put it this way. If you were tracking, you know, as the French say, track the money, right? So if you're in the big kid business of big tech right now, so your AWS, your Microsoft Azure Cloud, your Google Cloud, even Oracle is in this, you know, so um, it's hard to estimate how much money we're talking about. When Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, Fired 10,000 people, and in the same paragraph, almost said, We are now the AI company. He's not kidding. You know, it's like Mike Maples saying, We're not a, you know, every, everything we do will now be multimedia. There's no multimedia division. Everything we do will now be AI. Well, that's fair. I think that's true. But translating that into the $12 billion into uh, investment into OpenAI is more an indicator of the arms race than whether it's the right move. And maybe it's the right move at the right time for Microsoft. But what really we're seeing is an arms race, a weapons race between the big cloud guys. Because the amount of money at stake is indescribable. And it shadows their other businesses, which is fascinating. You know, they kind of think they're in the enterprise software or the, you know, the sell the books and CDs or whatever you want to call it. But really, we're seeing this huge shift in every one of these companies Away from their original business into cloud, and how cloud might link up with that business. So therefore, is it a good move? Maybe temporarily it is, but is GPT the answer to their problems? Probably not. So temporarily, it's a it's a new weapon to further differentiate against the other three kids in the, in, in the fight. But um, how long will that particular advantage last? Mm, you know, two years, three years. But you got to have more than that if you really want to win.
1: This is great, Mark. And I would encourage people to subscribe to Strategic News Service and to learn more about your other predictions in topics, including sports betting.
0: An interesting one. Yes.
1: Yeah. E-currencies, crypto, uh, just lots of good stuff here, Mark, and a really interesting way to think about the year ahead. And I can see where this would inform someone's business decisions, if not their investments.
0: Yep. That's our idea.
1: Also, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, Mark Anderson is speaking on February 9th about these predictions at the Bellingham Golf and Country Club, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to Mark's company, Pattern. Mark, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That was fun. Thanks for listening. Kurt Milton edited this week's show. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.